Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode number 67. As usual, I've got with me Rohan. Good evening. Good evening. And another Canadian this time, so Northern Hemisphere representing, James, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily and securely access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project. The configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. All right, Rohan, we are going to do it. We've got another month, and I think well, it's May, so another pun, I think. So I've got this, I'm going to call it uh, May the Cloud Strike Again. Yeah. Uh, so Wink has done the old bait and switch. Uh, they're now requiring all of their users to pay a subscription fee to enable remote access to any existing Wink devices. So yeah. th- this is, I mean, we're in the middle of, so it's what, May 2020 for people listening in the future. We're in the middle of the coronavirus yep. pandemic and Wink has come out and, uh, and just basically sent an email to all their customers saying, Wink has taken many steps in an effort to keep your hub's blue light on. However, long-term costs and recent economic events have caused additional strain on our business so they're now charging uh, all their subs- all their users that want to continue accessing remotely uh, $4.99 a month uh, to continue their existing access uh, which sort of you know so they didn't even give a month's notice I think it was by the time this podcast comes out that's it you have to be paying that subscription fee so yeah I- I'm sure a lot of people are annoyed at this yeah, there's uh, quite a bit of stir around this, and and rightfully so. And it's one thing to say, "Hey, we're going to deprecate some hardware and blah blah mm-hmm. blah," like kind of what Logitech did. Yeah, this is a whole other level because I think I think at some point, and this may have changed, but last I checked, they gave people two weeks to be like. I think at first they gave them a week, and then they're like, "Oh no, no, mm. sorry, kidding." Two weeks, and <laughs> uh, and 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 I might be wrong there, so. Uh, please don't send out the pitchforks. But regardless, what the timeline they gave was pretty short. Uh, and especially during a pandemic, it's like, okay, like, you know, like, okay, fine. Is your, is your idea that, okay, well, you know, even if it shuts down now, it's not going to affect a whole lot of people because there's not a lot yeah. of people traveling. Or is it like, hey, I'm going to take you out back and and beat you up kind of thing, <laughs> right? And, and yeah. it kind of feels like that's it's almost like the mob tactic that Wink is taking here. But I did, I did, I was listening to, I forget what I was, either I was reading it or listening to another podcast, something like that. And they were talking about Wink might have, uh, the, the issue is that, you know, they're, they're as a company is, uh, apparently their staff haven't been paid, uh, so on and so forth. So it's, mm. it's like they're bleeding money and, and that's why they had to do it. I just think that the tact that was given there and, and, and listen, I, I, there's a ton of companies that are going under, especially during our pandemic and stuff like that. It's just, it's hard to keep the lights on. It's hard to pay people. It's hard to, I, I get it. But I think, I think, I think the way they went about doing this is also not really ideal. I mean, it might've, it was, it would have been different if they were like, Hey, like, listen, folks, like if you can, like, we are struggling as a company, please, please donate to us, do whatever, just to keep this going. I'm sure tons of people would, would donate. Yep. If what were opt in and, and sort of a community collective effort, it would serve to unify their users rather than feel like a bait and switch. 
Totally. Absolutely. And and like for me, it's like 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 I pay to Nabucasa. Um I think Phil, I believe last I checked you did as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and James, I'm not sure whether you do or not. I haven't but, yet because I'm I'm all into messing with the APIs and Yeah, and great. I mean, I mean, nerding I mean, for, it up. For, for, for me, it was more around just supporting the community, supporting that, right? Like, I mean, really most of it I, I, I had doing, like I had it working myself, right? Including like, hey, um, you know, poking a hole to the firewall, blah, 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 doing all that stuff. And and I mean, I had my own security ways of going around that. But, you know, it, it's, hey, it's, it's the, to me, it's the community or, the, or that team going, hey, we want to keep making this product better, but we don't have the resources to. And I'm absolutely, mm-hmm. and, and I know I'm not the only person that's, paying into Nabucasa just for honestly just it's more as a hey i believe in kind of the mission i believe in whatever and and i'm sure if if wink did something similar they would have been okay right and 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 again i sympathize that you're you are a company that's and if this is true again i i heard this from another podcast or from another like youtube video or whatever so i don't know how they handled the accuracy of it but if if it is true just Again, there's there's a better way of doing this. Oh, you might have just shot yourself in the foot, and and you might as well like I don't know. To me, there's seems like most of Reddit is just livid, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I was reading about quite a few folks that were like, "Hey, I was actually looking at the Wink Hub, and because they did this, I don't want to do it." Not not it's not even about the four ninety nine. Some folks I understand, especially now, it's hard it's hard to make ends meet. A lot of people have lost their jobs or been furloughed or what have you. So I get that side of it, but the other side of it is, out of principle, a lot of people are like, "No, you can't." Like, like it, it almost feels dishonest, right? Whether that was the intention or not. I, I think so. I totally agree, and I think the for me, this business model, a lot of you know, and Wink isn't the only business to have this model, where you know they pay for their cloud connection based on new volume of sales. And Wink is definitely not alone mm-hmm. in this, but this is the this highlights the the problem with that business model. When all of a sudden sales dry up, the business still has to carry on the expenses of those cloud connections. You know, you, you can't just expect to be able to talk into your Amazon Echo or, or Google Home and get them to turn off and on those devices when there's a, a cloud service that is being paid for by yeah. new devices from new customers. So this is, yeah, definitely highlights the, the problem with this business model. And unfortunately, it won't be the last. Yeah, I think I think we're going to end up seeing them. A- big move to hardware as a service potentially yeah and 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 i think you know what's what a couple of people are saying as well on online is you know even if you say to to your point james even if it's like hey you know what the hardware actually costs this much money and why don't you just bake it into the monthly subscription and we'll give you the hardware at a discounted or a free whatever it's it's it's, it it is the cloud model right even in business Mm -hmm. that's, that's the cloud model yeah right um we'll we'll reduce the price of something and and you know kind of bake in that delta so it's affordable for you or or or, or more consumable let's call it maybe not necessarily affordable but right but uh even if it's not 100 percent off of the hardware and okay great you know it's 50 percent now and the rest is kind of going into that uh 4.99 a month or whatever right cell phone carriers have been doing it successfully for a while now that's right yeah absolutely absolutely so if you're uh stuck if you're a Wink user and, and you are having to look down the barrel of having to pay that four ninety nine fee, the Nabucasa subscription is uh, $5 US a month. And there is, I think you can basically do everything that you can do with the Wink remote connection uh, and not have to give your money over to Wink. There has been a new Discord channel set up in uh, the Home Assistant Discord server. 
the wink underscore migration channel. So there'll be a lot of people that are in the same boat that are helping each other out. So there are some places that you can go to get some help there. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of cool alternatives as well, right? Especially a lot of DIY Zigbee radios, uh, Z-Wave radios, so on and so forth. There's some that are both. Um, have a look, do do whatever research if you are a, a Wink user. Uh, here's another one is uh, <laughs> Bell can uh, disable some of their cloud-required Wemo cameras. Essentially, they've turned off the cloud services that's needed for that stuff, uh, for, the, for the Wemo cameras to work. I mean, their website is pretty much, and I quote, Although your Wemo netcam will still connect to your Wi-Fi network without these servers, you'll not be able to view the video feed or access the security features of your Wemo netcam, such as motion clips and motion notifications. Although the Wemo netcam may still connect to your wireless network, direct IP access to the video feed of the camera will not be available. If you're unable to provide a receipt or return your Wemo netcam hardware, we will not provide a refund. Ouch. So, I mean, I guess it's a little better than the past, than the Wink, because at least they're like, hey, if you have a receipt, you could return it. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But I, I, not not the greatest. I think I think they're doing it a limited by uh, only if it's in a warranty period. So if it's more than, so if you bought yeah. it from more than two years ago, that's it, right? Like you've just now got a paperweight. Totally, totally. Or a series of paperweights in this case. And, and cameras aren't yeah. cheap either. So um, I think... Yeah, again, probably better ways to do this. Um, even if you're turning off your cloud stuff, just say, hey, listen, that's going down. We just enabled local IP connectivity to it. Yep. Do with it what you'd like, right? And I think this is something we've discussed before, Rohan, as well. Where, you know, if a company was going to do something similar to this, they should just open source their backend and let you know mm-hmm. tinkerers and other people in the world be able to at least salvage something because right now there is a lot of uh, e-waste going into tips everywhere because Belkin's just decided that it's too hard to enable access for everyone. So just thank -hmm. you very much. See you later. Yeah. That's such a disappointment considering the resources it takes to put those into place and the fact that the hardware is still perfectly good and they're simply locking, locking us out. It's a, it's a sad way to view things. Yeah, and 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 to your point, from an environmental aspect of things, it's terrible. How much how much crap are we collecting because of this, right? But I guess that's uh, yeah. So another one bites the dust. Let's call it. <laughs> uh, and something that I think maybe just a little mention um, that came across from the the home assistant side is home assistant announced that they were going to be deprecating their installation their generic linux installation and that's actually been uh, put on hold a lot of people came out and said no we we are very much disappointed in this decision so good to see home isn't reacting i'm not sure what the the answer is going to be but definitely watch the space there but Ron, are you using Home Assistant in a Linux environment, or are you just using Docker still? I am. So I'm. I'm. So I'm running. Uh, I'm doing both. So my main instance is just a straight up Docker instance uh, mm-hmm. running on on one of my Docker machines. My what I have my Zigbee stuff on is uh, running on a Raspberry Pi four, um, running Debian uh, or actually Ubuntu, and on there. And and, and again, I have it as a uh, installed version on there, so it's not it's not running the Home Assistant version of Linux. It's running uh, straight up just Ubuntu Linux, uh, yep. and and that's running the has IO flavor, so the uh, Home Assistant supervisor and and yeah. so on. So so 
for me, I am affected by this. So a couple of things is I, I know there was when they did come up with the announcement, uh, you know, a lot of people were obviously a lot of people were upset about that. And 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 I do get that. Um, there was a couple of clarifications because just to just to clear things up, it's not that it's they're not removing it. It's not going away. It's just they're not supporting it. Right. That was that was the intention mm. of it. So you could still yep. do it. It's just. It's, and, and typically, if you're installing it on a Linux system, so on and so forth yourself, you're probably experienced in using it, so it's not as big of a deal. Um, and, and and I did speak to a couple of folks that are part of the, that Nabucasa core, core uh, team. Yeah. And, you know, it, it comes down to the supportability of the platform. Um, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily feasible for that team to support your specific distributions installation method blah 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 and and when when it's a when it's a home assistant issue absolutely they are willing to support it uh when it's not then then you know it's how long you know how is the entire team going to spend at times uh troubleshooting your ubuntu instance or debian instance or whatever and 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 that's not to say that the that the discord is not available and it's not to say that the community is not available it's just that that team that core team of developers will not be supporting it, mm, right? Which makes um, sense. So, uh, yeah. So now again, taking a step back, um, they are they are uh, they did post another note saying, "Hey, this is okay. We're gonna we're gonna rethink this decision." Uh, and and I, again, I don't know what's going to come out of that decision, but uh, they they are they are revisiting it and and trying to see how they can play it and 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 what they can do. So it is on that decision is on hold for now. I think there's also been some confusion about what exactly is and is not being included in this messaging. You know, I've I've got uh, some friends of mine who are running it in Linux, but in Docker, unsupervised. Correct. Uh, and they're concerned about that instance. I'm running it in Docker with a supervisor. Yeah. And you know those those methods are still working fine and going to be supported um and i would i would almost argue that it's simpler than actually trying to install it on a linux uh environment absolutely at least in my experience absolutely and and the nice thing i like about the docker install and and for for the team as a from a supportability perspective the nice thing is it's pretty easy to find out if it's within the container or not within the container if it's not within the container there's very clear lines of delineation of home assistant will support this and or home assistant or you know it's something local to your machine and and you know you're on your own kind of thing right and when you or do- you're 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 gonna have to rely on the community right. uh, which is how i got it working in docker exactly and 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 that's the thing even when you're on your own you're not really on your own right and there is there is a huge community around this uh and a very responsive community around this the forums are great. Discord is great. Um, you know, just, yeah, again, you're not, you're not left out in the cold, right? It's just the messaging is that the team themselves, the dev team will not support this as part of their official at, in their official capacity as, as a developer of home assistant, right? Meaning if you put it in as a issue in GitHub, it'll probably get closed, right? And say, Hey, this isn't, this isn't a home assistant issue. It's a issue of your platform. I think it, it makes perfect sense. When it's an, when it, when the full scope of the impact is understood of what it is and what it isn't, I think it makes sense and, and will ultimately result in a better user experience for all of us because we've got a consistent, um, yep. UX. Yep. Yep. And, and 
that's why if you look at other, let's call it paid for systems, right? I mean, we just talked about Wink, but even even you talk about smart things or anybody else, the nice thing that they have is it's it's on their hardware. So they own mm-hmm. that full stack. Yeah. Right here, it's not, right? It's not a supported, uh, again, uh, if there's, if, uh, if your solder is coming loose on your Raspberry Pi and something's, you know, flaky, there's only so much this team can do about that, right? Uh, and and I think that was kind of the point of what they were trying to make. I, I don't know that it was communicated that way, uh, whether, whether how it was received or how it was sent from the Home Assistant team's part. Um, that, uh, again, could it have been communicated better? Sh- maybe. Um, but but that is that is the extent of what, what their messaging was. I think for anyone who's worried... The, the key thing to know is you're not going to be left high and dry and yeah. you're not going to be left on your own to figure out. Yeah, good call. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So just don't open an issue and get help for it once if, if this does become a thing. Uh, apart from that, there was a big release, uh, 0.110. I like the uh, the nice number. It's a symmetrical That's number. Right. I like it. All right, so right. a lot of features very very jam packed. So first one we have is the agent DVR integration uh which is a new DVR platform and you can manage uh a lot of like you can manage the the DVR platform itself with uh sensor data coming in to home assistant. So really cool. I'm guessing you maybe even up to do if it's a proper DVR system, you know, turn off and on zones and a recording and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I always love security stuff in Home Assistant. Yeah, uh, BLE Box has also been integrated. So it looks like a European, possibly Polish. I know when I went on their website, because I was like, oh, what's BLE Box? Uh, or it might mm. be Blee Box. I don't know. So sorry, apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. But yeah, Google Translate was like, hey, do you want to translate from Polish to English? I'm like, yeah, okay, great. So I'm guessing it's a Polish platform. I don't know if they go across Europe or what have you. But uh, essentially, it's just another home automation platform uh, and uh, is in this initial release, they're basically on home assistance only supporting uh, garage doors and kind of gates that open and close, uh, as well as temperature sensors. So you'll see those. But if you have, if you do use that platform and you use other devices as part of that platform, uh, they may not uh, show up in home assistant on this release. I'm not sure if there's any updates coming up for it, but assuming there is, those might get added in. Another integration that's been really making a lot of moves quietly in the background, I think, is Z-Wave to MQTT. And that's actually mm-hmm. becoming more of an, a, an official integration now. And I think it's becoming almost part of the, the core Home Assistant product. That, uh, it's going to be optional for the time being, but I think Home Assistant's seeing the, the power of this new uh, Z-Wave over MQTT project and, and sort of might be in the future giving people the option to move to it. So it's basically now utilizing uh, Open Z-Wave's QT Open Z-Wave daemon to control the Z-Wave network over MQTT. And if you've got Home Assistant running with the MQTT add-on, it should just automatically set itself up and, and do everything like that. Or if you've configured Home Assistant to connect to MQTT, it'll leverage that. But I think the problem Home Assistant's always had with uh, Z-Wave in the, the past is that Open Z-Wave hasn't typically been an open project, you know, it wasn't open source so the Open Z-Wave library that Home Assistant was using was sort of hacked together and Home Assistant for a long time was using an older version and upgrading sort of had consequences for other users but now with this new project and, and moving towards that there is, you know, the option to have a, a better, more stable Z-Wave integration with Home Assistant so very excited to see how this goes in the future yeah 
No, that'll be a good, uh, again, step in the right direction. Mm. Uh, also, the Home Connect integration. Uh, so it basically integrates appliances that are powered by the Home Connect platform. So uh, Siemens, Bosch, there was a few other ones. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, so I, I'm not sure exactly what appliances, but I, I know there were appliances as part of Home Connect that were like dishwashers, washer dryers, yeah. so on and so forth. So um, that's kind of that's neat. Um, it, you, you don't see a ton of this kind of stuff, right? Hey, here's this coffee machine that's actually smart. But also like multiple brands communicating on a like on a, a, a protocol that they've developed in partnership with each other. And then that partnership being opened up to allow sort of home assistant and all that to communicate with. Yeah. And, and, and I wasn't too sure about that because I don't know, because as far as I know, Siemens and Bosch and all these other companies are separate from each other, but may, mm. maybe they're not. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but whatever, whatever it is, I mean, that's, that's a pretty large, I mean, Bosch themselves are a very large appliance provider, at yep. least, at least from what I've seen in appliance stores here. Yeah. Uh, not, not that I frequent appliance stores, but, <laughs> um, it's, it's yeah, great to see that. I mean, it's, it's kind of neat. I mean, would I pay a premium for a smart appliance? Maybe, maybe not depending on what it offers, but it, it's, it's awesome that that's a thing now. I I have a smart washer and dryer and I swear by it. I absolutely mm. love it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it cloud dependent? Like, are you at risk of another Wink slash Belkin issue if they decided to remove <laughs> their cloud? So mine are LG and I'm, I'm really disappointed with their approach towards sort of the community. There's no dev portal. There's no mm. request an API key. It's very, oh, yeah. very closed. Um, but there has been some really interesting work been done to reverse engineer their protocol. Nice. Uh, and there's an integration in the community add-on store that works incredibly well, uh, as of, you know, the last couple of weeks and it, it's continually updated. So the, the native LG SmartThink app, the only thing it will do is allow you to check the state of your machine or give you a notification most of the time when it's finished. Mm. Most um, of the time. And now that it's integrated into Home Assistant, it's it's so much more powerful. And I can connect it to a lot of other stuff so that mm. I don't actually miss the the yeah. the notifications because I have a bad habit of completely ignoring my phone when it beeps. Yeah, you can have a text-to-speak notification or something like that saying, hey, your laundry is done, washer's done, dryer's done, right? Yeah, it, it essentially yells throughout my entire house <laughs> that I need to go attend to the washer-dryer. Uh, and when I'm not in the house, my kids hear the notification yeah. and they ask me what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And that's when you promptly remind them the yelling is for them to go do the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because I've got, I've got, I think mine's like one step lower. So mine doesn't actually have Wi-Fi on it. So I, I got new uh, appliances as well on LG and it's the, the smart thing from what it does for me. It's kind of crap. It's like, you got to hold your phone up against, I think it's some sort of NFC or BLE that mm. they use. And it's like, you got to pretty much hold it up to the gear. And like, if it feels like it'll pick it up and it'll tell you that there's something <laughs> wrong or not. And I'm like, cool. You couldn't just integrate that in the LED. Like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently you can also have different programs and stuff like a, you can download a program to the washer dryer and stuff like that. And I'm like, cool. Um, I use normal. So <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's the one has, feature I use. Mine has a handy dial on the front that yeah. like when I'm doing bedding, I just turn it to that one. Yeah. But that's about as involved as I've, I <laughs> want to get. Yeah. 
but 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 it, it's interesting right because it's almost like i don't i don't know I, I mean don't get me wrong there is there is some sort of a value to having these smart appliances but at some point it's like hey i gotta physically be there to put the clothes in the dryer or in the wash anyway so i mean at that point i'm turning a dial it's actually more work for me to pull out my phone or tell my uh, voice assistant to do something else i might as well just turn the dial press start call it yeah, when I was when I was looking at appliances for my house, um, which I moved into last summer, um, the only appliances I wanted that were smart were the ones that are in the basement and I forget about. Yeah. Everything that's in the kitchen, I'm going to be there anyway. So if the fridge door is open, it's going to beep at me and I don't need a notification on my phone because I'm right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, some other noteworthy updates. And this is one of my – I was really excited when I read this in the in our little alert about the, the new release. Not conditions in automations are now something you can do. So they're supported both in YAML and from the UI. So essentially if you have, for example – um, an alarm panel and you have it in a state of disarmed there are multiple other states it could be in and you may want to just say if it's not in disarmed then the automation can run previously to do that you would have to do a whole bunch of ands and, and grouping them all together you know state you know is it this is it that is it this or you might even have to like i did i did a lot of templating you know is uh in a template is state or is state or is state or now, uh, and Frank, yeah. who has integrated this, thank you very much, Frank. You can now, uh, similar to how you can group automations with an and or an or, you can group a whole bunch of automations under that. And yeah, it just does the opposite, you know, uh, very cool, very powerful. So thank you very much, Frank. Yeah, it saves a lot of time too. I know, I know when I was going through my stuff, I was like, you know, breaking my head going, okay, trying to just, just work through the logic and and yeah. i know phil you helped me out a little bit and frank actually helped me out quite a bit too and it's like okay eventually it's like okay i got it to the way i wanted to be and it's like you know in in a couple of cases not would have helped um where where i ended up using templates and stuff like you like you said phil mm. some updates on the integration page um so now entities are entries sorry are grouped together under each entity so let's say you have um a i don't know a smart lg smart system like we were talking about earlier mm. for appliances and then you know you can have washer dryer all that stuff under there um and uh, there's also a search now which is really nice because i hated scrolling through that list of if i'm adding a new integration and, oh, and okay so let hot. me search for the one thing and it's like yeah. yeah so now i can just like smart things is one i like to for whatever reason i just in my own accord end up breaking it like once a month <laughs> and uh <laughs> and the, the 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 plugin actually works really well, but like I'll make some changes and I'll be like, oh crap, I got to remove it, re-add it, whatever. And uh, that you know, every time I'm like S S S, okay, and then S A S B, okay, I found it, and it just makes things so much easier. So um, I yeah, thank you so much for that search. It's again, it's the little things, right? Mm, um, totally. Um, it's now possible to ignore discovered integrations. So this is something that has been really bugging me since they did that auto discovery, that little notification icon in the corner to say, hey, we found a new Sonos oh, network. Hey, we found a new Roku device on your network. And you're like, yeah. I don't want it integrated in that. Like, go away, dismiss, dismiss. And every time you restart Home Assistant and comes back, you can now yeah. tell Home Assistant, ignore it. So thank you very much. Yeah, that one is, especially if, I know, Phil, you do this as well, uh, if you run multiple instances. Mm. Uh, so my main instance has a lot of stuff. My other instance is like, hey, we found Wemo switches. And I'm like, 
cool. I don't care. Like go away. <laughs> and 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 just 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 the OCD in me. It's like I see the notification. It's like every time I have to go in and I have to clear it. And it's like, yeah, one one other thing uh, that I don't need to do now. So that's that's really nice. Uh, there's also a new calendar panel. So this was interesting. So uh, at first I looked at it and I was like, is this just Google Calendar on it? No, it's it's yeah, actually an integrated calendar. Yeah, it actually looks really nice. I got to say um, it's so there's a full and, and this is again, it's a panel not to be confused with a card. Um, so this is a separate window, essentially, or a separate tab, whatever, however you want to call it. And it's panel is the proper term for it, mm. uh, where basically they do a month, week and a day view uh, or you can choose between them. And uh, you can kind of see your calendar. Um, it sounded like, uh, according to the release notes, it sounded like there was uh, a Lovelace card that they're going to be working on as well. Uh, so you can kind of integrate like a maybe a mini calendar or whatever into a Lovelace page. That's really cool. I'm really digging the calendar integration recently. I, I've I've known it's been in for a while, but it, I've only really started using it to especially with this pandemic going on, uh, to be able to just fine-tune the way Smart Home works here. So, for example, I've now set up recurring events, you know, Monday to Friday when we're working from home so that, you know, our alarms don't have to go off as early because we're not driving to work, we're working from home. And, you know, now the house knows, okay, you're working from home today, so I won't wake you up at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'll let you sleep in for a bit. I'll turn on some lights Mm -hmm. because you're going to be working in the home office today. So, yeah, the calendar integration is very powerful. So I, I do recommend if people have got, you know, like recurring things that happen, you know, maybe uh, every once a week or something, you get a cleaner that comes in and you need automations to do something different or, you know, babysitters, something like that. It's a very powerful way to, instead of an upgrade to the old input Boolean switch that you would have to manually flick on and off. Yeah, that's nice. It allows me to dump my whole schedule of the garbage pickups here. Um, yes. Because yeah. they transition between winter and summer. Nice. In the winter, it's once every two weeks for some of them, but not for others. Um, so I've actually got just a spreadsheet that when they send out the new calendar, I put all the events into the spreadsheet, dump them into my calendar, and then my house knows every day when I get yeah. back um, the night before when I get back from walking my dog, I know which which bins need to be pulled down to the curb. Mm-hmm. That's very smart. Uh, HomeKit integration. So they've actually, I swear every release around there is like HomeKit has got a new feature and it makes <laughs> me really jealous because I'm an Android user. Anyway, so they've now added yeah. in camera support. Yep. Uh, entity information is now um, in the accessory property in HomeKit. So you can find out more details about what is actually going on. Uh, really cool to see HomeKit just powering on. There's a lot of devs working on it and you guys are doing an amazing job on it. Um, OnVIF, so, or O-N-V-I-F. Um, so Home Assistant now supports pull point subscriptions. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, that's basically the protocol that they use for, uh, with your cameras. And, uh, so it lets you pull other important sensor data too now. Um, so that means like, let's say your camera also has motion state or object or sound detection, stuff like that to like some sensors that'll say, yes, true, false, right? Yeah, I detected mm. sound. No, I didn't detect sound, whatever it is, or hey, I detected motion. Uh, so those can actually be brought in as well. So now the, the neat thing is you can actually, uh, and, and again, if, if maybe in certain areas you haven't invested uh, in a motion sensor, but instead you've invested in a camera, you can actually kind of use those multiple uh, sensors or, or one device as multiple mm. sensors. Exactly. 
maybe uh, Belkin could have used some of this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's but but so so I think I think there is a dependency where your camera would need to support OnVIF. Um, it's not. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think it's it's you know I think it's on the manufacturer to to include that or not. So. Yeah, there's there's most cameras do, but some of the budget cameras. Um, I know the ESP32 cam. Uh, currently, there is no firmware available for it that supports OnVIF. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of and and there are a lot of even even let's call it consumer cameras that you do go to like whatever store, Best Buy or what have you, and go buy. And uh, some of those cameras don't support it either. Again, they've got like their monthly subscription, blah blah blah. Use this to pull our video, so on and so forth, right? Uh, some do, some don't. So um, if you are looking for a new camera, that might be something interested or interesting to look into. Or if you're just getting into home automation uh, and, and you're looking at cameras anyways, this might be a great way to save money on having to buy motion sensors and mm. or, or, or whatever other sensors in that area, right? Hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it, though, is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. So, I'm guessing you might need to enable the stream component. Um, if you want to be able to see the cameras in Home Assistant and, and push them out, yeah, I think I think that's independent of the pull point subscription, though. Okay, um, right. I think I think that's a separate facet of so so as a protocol, it'll have multiple different things, right? And this yep. is the pull point subscriptions are from from what I understand, and I might be very wrong because I did about <laughs> three minutes of googling into this, so uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, whatever random website I visited told me this information, so <laughs> it might be extremely wrong. So, but uh, essentially, essentially, this is this is the portion that actually pulls a lot of that uh, extra data or metadata, if you want to call it that, mm. around that video. So it's not the video itself, but but OnRef is that same frame protocol that they would use to uh, com- communicate with the camera for that video and such as well. Makes sense. So I, I, hopefully I sounded like somewhat of an expert, which I am definitely not. So please do not <laughs> consider my word gospel. You're very convincing. Yeah, I might be very wrong here. <laughs> All right, the supervised UI. So if you are a Home Assistant user, previously known as HasIO, there is a supervisor interface that sort of allows you to see a, a very big snapshot of how the Home Assistant uh, or the, the system is running. There's been a lot of UI updates to that in this release. Uh, but a big change that's coming is that some add-ons from the, I'm guessing from the, not the community store, but the add-on store for Home Assistant are now being marked as advanced. And you can only be seen when you have advanced mode in your profile. So uh, I'm guessing these would be for advanced users. Maybe there's some 
uh, add-on that can do some, maybe like the SSH extension or something like that that you may want to yeah. enable, they will be hidden from a non-advanced user. So don't be alarmed if you upgrade to the latest version and there's a lot of add-ons that you used to use have all of a sudden disappeared. Just go in and flick that advanced mode in your profile to on. Um, I, I know when when we put this list together and, and you know, one of the things Frank said was, man, this is one of our biggest releases ever, yeah. right? So uh, in, in a sense of the amount of changes and, and that is so true. Like just ev- everything, kind of the last few things we've talked about aren't necessarily like specific integrations but they're they're like platform level like large-scale changes right um even up to and including home kit and and all of those as well right so uh i'm i'm you know it's pretty nice to see all these changes coming in um but also obviously with those changes sometimes come breaking changes and uh there is there is a decent list of breaking changes in this as well but Let's just kind of go through, you know, a couple that we think are important here. So um, first off, Blink. So if you use Blink cameras and stuff, they removed the old username and password method now. Um, so if you have that, that might not work. Um, so now you need it. There's a 2FA key and so on and so forth. So you would need to use that. And and keep in mind, a lot of these, this will be adding this integration down the road will also be only uh, through the, the UI, device? right? Um, yeah. For, for 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 everything exactly, um, but this this is a great reason of why is because if you do have a two FA uh, enabled application, it's you know it is it's easier to do it that way through the UI. Uh, Tuya has been upgraded now to use the integrations UI as well. So if you have Tuya in your YAML, you may need to remove some keys that may no longer be supported. Um, also, the HTTP component. So in there, um, there's a um, sub component or, or a config entry for base underscore URL. And this typically says, hey, this is, you know, home assistant dot my domain dot com or, mm. or whatever it is and, and to set it to that. So a lot of integrations and such rely on that. So that's actually now being deprecated and, and they're moving towards an internal and an external URL. Um, so as in, if you're, let's say as an example, you do expose your, um, home assistant, home assistant instance out to the internet, um, and your external URL might be, you know, uh, has dot, you know, duck DNS dot whatever. Um, and your internal URL might just be, you know, whatever home assistant dot local or like one nine two one six eight whatever that. So now, now your, your integrations can now leverage, uh, either the internal or the external URL. So, so, and, and it actually gives a bit of flexibility. So no matter which one you come in through, uh, it will be accepted. So I know in the past, before I had my base URL set, uh, this is a long time ago when I was first learning, mm. uh, home assistant, I, I ran into issues where, uh, there were components trying to reach out to my home assistant instance on my public DNS name. Uh, but at the same time, home assistant was configured to use, uh, not that name essentially, and yeah. so, you know, stuff was getting confused and all that stuff. So this actually, I, I realize it's a breaking change, but it's actually a very good use case for uh, this. And I think I think there's actually a, a bunch of value in using that internal versus external URL. So just as a, a heads up, because when I upgraded, I actually had, this did cause some issues for me. So I have uh, text-to-speech running through my Sonos speakers. And once I upgraded, I just needed to go in and just confirm the internal and external URLs in the UI 
I found that whatever the default was using, actually, I think I just needed to do a second restart or something for the, the setting to apply. Mm-hmm. But my Sonos speakers weren't being, they were getting a, an unauthorized error when trying to find the MP3 file to play on my local network. So just go in. There's, once I confirmed the two URLs were correct, there was no issue. And I do believe the external URL can also leverage the Nabucasa remote URL if you have a Nabucasa subscription enabled. So that's also very handy. Correct. Uh, ZHA, the configurations via YAML are now being deprecated as of this release. So it'll be removed completely in 0112. So if you have any configurations for the ZHA uh, component, they will need to be moved over to the user interface. Uh, as well, manual alarm panel. So um, if you're moving from, if you if you utilize this and you're moving from disarm to whatever other state, um, there'll be an intermediate uh, arming state. So it used to be called pending. So it's, that's that process of it going from disarmed to whatever, away or home mm. or what have you. Um, so in in the middle, if you have any automations that do have, uh, that do leverage, hey, it's in the middle of this and, and it's called pending, uh, that now needs to change to arming. However, uh, when you're moving from an armed state to a triggered state, it will stay as pending. I'm not sure what the logic is or, or why that was done that way, or and, and I'm sure there is a reason for it. But uh, I, I don't, I'm not aware of what that is. Um, I think the pending, it's sort of the pending is the alarm is about to go, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, but th- there's there's also a few other state attributes, config options and stuff like that, that are, uh, and, and, and kind of the way the timing is calculated and such, there's, there's a bunch of changes. So if you do use the manual alarm panel, uh, I strongly urge you to go read the uh, release notes and have a look at that. There, there was There was a bunch of stuff that's changed essentially. Uh, um, I use the MQTT manual alarm panel and I got very trigger happy and updated all my config based on this. And this is only for the manual alarm panel. It is not for the MQTT manual alarm panel, which still <laughs> uses the pending yet. Yeah, so when I restarted my home assistant, a lot of stuff didn't work. I was like, oh, oh that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Universal Devices, uh, the ISY9994, they've moved to version 2 of the underlying library that powers a lot of the Home Assistant integration. And as such, there is a lot, and we mean a lot, of breaking changes. So yeah. please, yeah, if you're using this, go in, check the release notes, because you're going to need to look, do a bit of work here today. I don't know, that was really long. I know that was that was. I mean, what are we? <laughs> I don't think a we lot to talk about. A Home Assistant release in quite a while. That is a huge release. I know it's it's forty five minutes in, so it was, <laughs> it, was, it was that's a that's a decent uh, decent size update. It's an exciting update. Yeah, we we did spend a bit of time talking about the uh, cloud uh, between between the stuff getting disabled essentially. Yeah. So yeah. <sighs> so so James. Um, What's what's going on in your world? Um, well, I'm I'm moved into this house uh, almost a year ago, um, and previously I was living in an apartment where I was not allowed to basically touch anything or even paint the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been an interesting transition from designing things that are very explicitly temporary to actually integrating in with the real hardware because no mm. one's going to tell me that I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Right. That's cool. Um, so it's, it's been a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, I, I, as with a lot of things, technology in my life, I tend to go in all the way and then sort of take it a little too far. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, right now I've got, uh, home assistant running on a server in my basement with, uh, I think something like 25 containers on it now, uh, in total and, um, just having a blast getting all of the things talking to all of the other things. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So coming from like an apartment to a house, what was like the thing that you wanted to, like you've been most excited to be able to do now? Um, probably actually have light switches that are usable as light switches. Nice. Yeah. Um, previously, all of my light switches had to remain in the on position because if you turned it off, nothing would work. Mm -hmm. uh, so when my family would come and visit and turn light switches off, it would be incredibly frustrating for me uh, <laughs> to the point where if if they were coming over, I would put masking tape over the light switch with just the word no written on it. Yeah, I have masking tape on the switch I'm looking at right now. I can I feel that pain. Don't worry. <laughs> yep. You need to write no on it in a, in a <laughs> black permanent marker just to make sure that everyone knows that they're not allowed to touch it. But um yeah, I've had I've had loads of fun um, putting in some nice uh, custom lights um, and really getting a network and and integration. I essentially want all of the internet everywhere all the time, and I want all of the things to talk to all of the other things at all times. Mm -hmm. um, so I like it that you know I can have uh, the lights in the shed are connected and when i'm in my shed working i can actually just turn on the music in the shed rather than from the kitchen and it's all integrated so just having having a proper integration where things are installed and permanent and reliable um it has been a huge improvement that's awesome and and it, and it sounds like you've been doing a lot more too in terms of kind of your own projects that you're that you're kind of building around with the esp32 and so on and so forth yeah i've i've been um playing with the esp32 when it came out um just to see what it was capable of you know i'm i'm not great at coding in c plus plus but uh, i'm not hopeless either so when it first came out there was a lot of difficulty and very poor documentation around using wi-fi and bluetooth at the same time yeah um but I wanted Bluetooth uh, beacon tracking and Happy Bubbles was no longer available. So I decided to say, hey, the hardware says it should be capable of it. Let's see what it can do. Uh, so I wrote up a, a project called ESP32 MQTT Room. And essentially all it is is uh, firmware for an ESP32 that will connect to your MQTT instance and publish to it all of the messages that it detects. Mm -hmm. um, so that combined with the fact that the dollar store was liquidating tracker beacons for $4 a piece means that now nice. I can ask Home Assistant where basically any of my movable things are. So I can ask about the dog or multiple sets of keys or yeah. various bags that I have, uh, and it, it knows where they are. Yeah, no, that's neat. And it, it it's interesting. I, ha I have a love-hate relationship with, with Tracker, like that that brand of Beacon, the Tracker brand. And it's I, I got a bunch and I paid a bunch of money for it. And uh, they all stopped working at the same time. And I was like, are you kidding me? And like, it wasn't battery or anything. It was like hardware, like all of them. And I was like, okay, it can't, it can't. And, and I thought it was just me, but a couple other people had had the same <laughs> kind of... <laughs> 
uh, experience. I think that's why they ended up being liquidated at the dollar store probably, for probably, $4. Probably, yeah. I, I, I went out and bought all of them every time I went to the dollar <laughs> store. So I've actually got you know a dozen extra sitting there on the shelf waiting to be used. Yeah. Because I have blown through... Uh, I think I've killed about three so far. <laughs> nice. Um, but one was was an unfortunate encounter with some acetone. Uh, another one was because I sat on it. So it's definitely not all exclusively <laughs> trackers' yeah. uh, responsibility. But you know, um, I'd I'd be significantly more upset if I'd paid uh, the the full asking price when they were brand new. Yeah, yeah. I think I think at some point I bought like a and that was on sale too. I think it was like a six pack or an eight pack for like I don't know, like seventy bucks or so, something like that. I don't know. I might just be making up numbers here, but it, it was expensive for what it was. And I was like, okay, cool. I think it worked like fifteen and somewhere between ten and twenty bucks a pop. Like, okay, it's not bad. And it, yeah, and they all died. And I was just, I was just, I was just mad more than anything else. I think the the most useful thing that it's ever done for me is the one time that I went to a shopping mall. Uh, it helped me find my car afterwards. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, but aside from that, it's all just sort of messing around. I had grand ideas of an automation that would have my, uh, speakers turn on as I move throughout my house. Mm-hmm. Um, but the logic behind it was just a little too gnarly for templating. Um, so without mm. going to something like, uh, node red, I, 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 it's beyond my capability and in, in just, uh, vanilla sort of yeah. templating and the YAML. Just as a bit of a, a self plug, if you want to check out my blog, I've done something with, uh, Sonos speakers for you in just YAML. Yeah. I will definitely take that, take that up. Cause, uh, yeah. that's, that's been something that I've, I would like to have is sort of when I go into my shed to grab something and I'm listening to something just you know where I am and what I'm doing and what I'm listening to. Yeah. So just make it happen. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yes. To me, the, the connectedness is not what makes it smart. It's the automation that makes it smart. Yep. If it's, if it's just mm-hmm. connected, then you've simply traded one switch for a virtual switch and that doesn't add anything to anyone's life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. So are you, are you, so is this your primary kind of method of, presence or are you doing other stuff for like like how what 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 is your let's call it the presence strategy if you want to use corporate talk so uh basically i rely on uh home not home states for most of my presence detection okay. um and it's it's all based on network connectivity um i have a i have an android phone and i've got it configured to not power save on wi-fi because i want all the wi-fi all the time um so mm-hmm. actually having it pull, um, I was previously using Nmap, but I found some trouble with that behind Docker. Uh, so I've gone back to asking DDWRT who's on my network, uh, and that seems to be working properly. But um, essentially, the only things I care about is if I'm home or not, uh, if my kids are here or not, and then uh, if the if I'm home, uh, sorry, if I'm not home and my dog is home, right. Um, because when, when the two of us go out... So you've even got the dog tracked. Yeah, the dog has a, a tracker beacon on his collar. Nice. And sometimes when I go out, I'll I'll forget to put on music for him or something. Um, so I have an automation mm-hmm. where it will ping my phone with a notification and say, hey, you forgot to turn on music for the dog. Do you want to put something on for him? And I just have to click yes, and it'll start up um, 
I can't remember what radio That's station cool. it is, but it'll, it'll start up some music for him. Nice. That's kind of cool. It's, I like to build things that protect, protect me from myself. Um, <laughs> I know, I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. So <laughs> if I could have a computer remember things for me, I would much prefer that. Yeah. Fair enough. So you've got a lot of, um, the ESP32 stuff that you're, you're working on and, and all that, but have you got any of you know, and I mentioned, you know, before you mentioned your LG washer, but have you got like anything like a Philips Hue, the LifeX? You know, are you into any of those ecosystems or is it more do it yourself where you can? The only ecosystems I've really gotten into are the ones where you can wipe out the firmware and put something like Tasmoda or, or uh, ESP mm-hmm. Home on it. Um, I'm, I'm very much into open source. Uh, I think if, if you can't get in there and like open the hood and see what's going on, then it's not that interesting to me, Um, but I'm also incredibly frugal. So going out and dropping, you know, $200 on light bulbs for my house is just something I don't think I could justify personally. Uh, But spending $200 on electronics components is absolutely okay for some reason. (laughs) Uh, So yeah. So I'll go out and buy, you know, $200 worth of microcontrollers and LEDs and MOSFETs and, and that kind of thing and take a year to put together something that works about half as well as a Philips Hue light bulb would. Um, but that's that's just my own weird way of, of doing things. Yeah. No, it's fair. You know, at least at least you know what goes into it. You've got you've put your heart into whatever product it is you're building and, and I, I get that. I get that. There's there's something almost old school about that right where um you know you it's not just it's not just a consumer thing and 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 at the end of the day you can repurpose those uh a lot of those devices let's say you build a light smart light strip or whatever you decide hey i don't want to do this anymore great rip out the controller use it for something else right so not yeah not entirely a waste i i would you know in my in my opinion so yeah i've i've routinely rip apart projects and and scavenge the parts and uh and use them somewhere else so i've got you know circuit boards that are sitting unpopulated because yeah i had to order 10 and only built about half of them before i moved on to something else that that is better designed yeah 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 fair enough <laughs> but uh you know for me it's it's at least as much about the process as it is about the end result um I'm much more interested in spending the time to figure out how to get an automation to work mm-hmm. and, and seeing it work than I am in just sort of asking for something to happen and having it happen. I'm I'm too curious to accept something that I don't understand how it does what it does. Yeah. No, fair enough. So one of the favorite uh, automations I got from you when you originally emailed in, and I'd like you to share with everyone there's the story behind your 3d printer and, and what you've done with it. Oh, uh, so yeah. Um, so I, I got a 3d printer, uh, I guess it was last fall and I've, I've just sort of been having fun, uh, building things in Tinkercad. Um, haven't taken the time to actually learn much about it and how to use it. But, um, I built a dog boot dryer because uh, I have a greyhound, and when he goes out in the snow mm-hmm. and and the salt, uh, his feet cannot be exposed because they'll they'll just start to crack and mm-hmm. come apart. Um, so I built I put together a, a dog boot dryer with uh, an ESP eighty two sixty six. I think I used a Wemos D one Mini, 
uh, 3D printed sort of a spiral horn type thing that actually uh, attaches onto a, a PC fan. Um, so there's so cool. one that'll fit an 80 millimeter fan and one that'll fit a 120 millimeter fan. And then it's got uh, temperature and humidity sensors in it. So when I come back into the mudroom with the dog, I take the boots off his feet and I slap them right over top of the, the little uh, dog boot dryer prongs. And it notices, oh, the relative humidity just shot up really quickly. Wow. Let's let's start the timer. And it uh, it runs for I think we landed on three hours was was appropriate. But yeah, it's it's. It's a very useful project uh, and, in fact, works really well for my, my kids' uh, gloves and, and boots. Um, and it's all yeah. open source. That's really the, cool. The files are all on Thingiverse and Tinkercad and uh, the code is all up on, on – I think it's just in a gist on GitHub. But uh, yeah. it's, it's you know really straightforward, uh, minimal uh, code in ESP Home to get it to run. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That that's especially especially like again relatable especially with the gloves and stuff right it's like you're out shoveling and it's you know hands are sweating or your hat is sweat like your head sweating from and your toque is all you know mm. sweaty and smelly and wet and even from snow falling too obviously that's that's the obvious one and <laughs> I just sound like I'm just dripping but uh, <laughs> it's it, no I I think it's some, a great use case. some winters yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> that's true so. But uh, especially you're further up north than I am too, so it's it's a little yeah. more uh, uh, make make it makes sense. So that's that's uh, that's a really unique uh, thing that you built, and I think I think that's really cool. It's also nice because uh, my dog would shoot me dirty looks every time I put wet boots on his feet. He just he absolutely <laughs> hates cold wet boots, which I think we can all agree with. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really unpleasant. And I had previously been putting them just on the the electric radiator, but they're made out of leather. Right. So that dried them out and they're salty. So they just cracked Mm. and his boots Mm. are twice the price of my boots, which I guess makes sense given he's got twice the legs. But (laughs) yeah, I guess. (laughs) I I mean, math, right? But uh, it just, it felt like absolutely the wrong way to be solving this problem. Yeah. Cooking. It also results in a mudroom that smells like dog feet, and that is not a pleasant yeah. smell. And uh, granted, the boot dryer still results in a, a dog foot smell, but it's just not hot dog feet. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a little more tolerable, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It still still doesn't sound very pleasant, but it, it's yeah. something. I guess, I guess if you got a dog and live in a cold place, regardless, you're gonna have dog yeah your foot smell. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, owed a dog foot, if you want to call uh, call it that. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> but uh, my my next experiment, I actually just uh, managed to get a mini air raid siren printed and assembled. Um, I haven't figured out exactly how to annoy people with it, yeah. but there's going to be at least one automation. Um, I like the idea of you know. <laughs> In Canada, it's illegal to booby trap your house, uh, but there's nothing to say that you can't annoy people who come into your house. Yep, fair. Um, so mm. I figure, I figure, unwelcome guests can get the air raid siren and the smoke machine and and strobe lights and just everything I can throw at them to just disorient. The them. So, 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 yeah. so, so the idea is, if somebody breaks in your house, you basically just want them to have a full out seizure. <laughs> 
maybe a stroke. I mean, we do have social health care here. That's so. true. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the notification. I'll see it on my camera and I'll just call the ambulance. That's right. That's right. So. <laughs> maybe home assistant can, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll get, uh, I'll, I'll hook up an, uh, tensor tensor flow to one of my camera feeds and have it have it machine learn algorithm the the state for when it needs to call an ambulance <laughs> yeah perfect <laughs> <laughs> oh man but so so i mean i mean sp- speaking of automations and all this so, so what what are what are some of your your like go-to favorite automations that you've uh so, so what like what are you proud of some of the automations that you've built uh number one would be the since they came, they, they built the community store add-on for the LG appliances. I went and created mm. a view in Lovelace that is just a panel with two beautiful marketing photos of the machines that I bought. All right. I put uh, <laughs> state text onto the picture and got it aligned so that the timer on the image actually appears where the timer is on the machine. And then when I start any load of laundry it will automatically cast it to the Nest Hub in my house so that if the laundry is running, it shows exactly what I would see if I were looking at the machine in my kitchen. And then when the machine is finished, Google yells throughout my house that it's it's time to do the laundry switch. That's that's probably the most useful automation that I've put together. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite automation is probably the, the worst Christmas ever because... Um, I've always found Christmas carols to be more entertaining the more annoying they are. Um, so, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, a couple, a couple Christmases ago, I, uh, took my, my cheap, uh, reusable plastic Christmas tree and put some WS2812s on it. Um, and got all of my lights that are multicolor, uh, hooked into this automation and the TV as well. So I could ask Google to Christmas up the place and it would uh, turn on the the Christmas tree and, and like, oh, that's lovely. You know, a nice calming sort of soothing. And then the TV would turn on and the fireplace would start and then the Christmas carols would start. But it's Jingle Cats. And then all <laughs> of the lights in the house, half would be red and half would go green. And then every second they would alternate. So half of the house is green, but the next second it will be red. <laughs> And then the last piece was um, one of those. <laughs> this sounds little... extremely annoying. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It's, it's yeah. uh, I, and you don't want to know how much effort went into this because it was certainly more <laughs> than was called for ever. Perfect. Um, but the the crowning glory was one of those little uh, marquee signs that you can buy with the with the letters like yeah. behind you, Rohan, right now. Yeah. Uh, and it was nestled into the tree, and at the very end of it, it would start blinking, and the letters said "Merry effing Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> and it was just—I was so pleased with myself when I got all of that hooked up and working. That's um, funny. Followed by getting annoyed by it three minutes into it and never using it again. You know, I—I was—I—I'm a former teacher, yeah. So things that most people find annoying Fair. amuse me. Yeah, yeah. I've got a very high annoyance tolerance. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. That's pretty funny. Remind me not to cut you off on the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, my my move there is to smile and give a thumbs up because that just confuses people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, 
but the i mean the, there's there's also room for practical automations like um using the Xiaomi plant sensors to let me know when i've forgotten to water something yeah. um that's that's mm. the only thing that has actually kept me uh able to keep plant life alive in my house mm-hmm. um and uh actually having when I was back in the apartment, I had most of my house plants in a windowless room. So having it hooked up uh, with the lights to be able to turn on at sunrise and turn off at sunset was uh, was just a, a fantastic thing. I, I, I love that it knows what time the sun comes up and what time the sun goes down. When I was a kid, one of my jobs was adjusting all of the timers sort of, you know, twice a year when we adjusted the clocks. But even then, it wasn't mm. it wasn't ever quite close enough. Um, so being able to have, you know, the outside lights turn on just a little bit before it actually gets dark outside, um, is, is something that I appreciate. That's awesome. That's, that's cool. It it sounds like you've put a lot of thought into your automations and, and, and and even the annoying ones and and the not annoying ones too. It's, (laughs) I'd say I've put a lot of effort into my automations i wouldn't say there's been a lot of thought necessarily (laughs) fair enough fair enough yeah it's a good (laughs) statement i saw just going through your going through your uh github as well and and kind of even in in kind of the initial conversations you had uh with us uh you also did a ntp synced uh clock and message board and stuff like that too yeah that's actually sitting on my desk right here um it's another thing where if when the clocks change, if I can wake up and all of the clocks have changed, yeah. that's fantastic because I'm never aware of the clocks changing yep. until after they've changed. Ditto. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought, hey, there's these little LED matrix modules and maybe I could get a nice clock to show up on that. And then, of course, if it's connected to the Internet, it should be connected to Home Assistant. Um, so you can send uh, notifications to it and it'll scroll the text across. Right. So basically, when I listen to music, um, I've got a templated sensor that knows, oh, I'll check the state of all of your various media players. And if you're listening to music, uh, I can figure out what the track name and the artist is. And it'll just scroll that across nice. so that I can uh, I can see what I'm listening to. Um, but it does have a couple of issues. So there's a potential memory overflow or something like that um, that causes it to every once in a while just start to scroll gibberish. Uh, but <laughs> nice. <laughs> my my tolerance for annoyance is probably too high because I haven't fixed it in the last three years. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's <laughs> that that is neat though. It's uh you know it, it's funny because you're hitting home with so one of the things when I moved in uh my the place that I'm in right now uh, about five years ago. So before this, I used to live with my parents, whatever. And and again, even growing up all through that, my my job during you know daylight savings time day or or lack of daylight savings time day is uh, run around and change all the clocks. And I hated it. So when I moved in here, I was like, okay, I'm not having any manually adjusting clocks outside of like oven and mm-hmm. microwave. And so I can't really avoid those. So I think, I think I'm still at a point where that's, that's the case. And then, and then uh, when, uh, when the girlfriend moved in with me, it was, you know, she was like, no, I like my clock as a big, whatever, and uh, a nice big analog clock on the wall yeah and well well so Mm. there's there's one analog clock that i don't actually know if it works um because she's like it's decorative i'm like okay cool i'm losing that battle i'm just go it works twice a day yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) and 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 uh, she had she had a bedside one and uh i i you know eventually it just 
it just started drifting so far that it was like, you know, her alarm would go off like 35 minutes after she actually wanted it to go or like, or sometimes before <laughs> because it had actually lapped in yeah. what time it actually was. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, so I think we're at a good place now where we chucked that and now she just, uh, she just asked the Amazon echo kind of what time it is and all that stuff. And, and I think she's gotten, gotten a routine built around that too. So that's, uh, it's uh so luckily this is so far i've been able to avoid it outside of obviously the microwave microwave and uh an oven and uh, and the one decorative analog clock that she has that uh you know it, it does look nice so i'm like all right fine whatever but i love that my microwave has a feature that lets me just say you know what when you're not doing anything don't display anything Yeah, because I've got enough clocks in my kitchen already and it really bothers me when they're all not showing the same. Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, But I I won't lie. I actually have looked at how I could put an ESP8266 into an analog clock. Uh, It's beyond my engineering abilities, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I've got, I've got ideas, but I'm no confidence that any of them are feasible. Yeah, Fair enough. Well, for me, like we just changed about a month ago back mm-hmm. uh, to our normal daylight savings time. And this is the first year that me and my wife have actually not noticed that the time zone changed yeah. because we don't have any clocks in the house that need to be manually set. You know, we woke up and all our phones were on a time and like, oh, have we changed time zones? Like, I don't know. And then we also have uh, the Amazon Echo wall clock which is just, it syncs its own time. So at 2 a.m., it would have just wound its arm around to the next hour or whatever, whichever way it goes, I don't know. (laughs) I I didn't see it because we were asleep and we don't know if we actually move time zones or not. But that is like for the first time, we've never had to go around, change the clocks and yeah. But maybe you could buy one of those Echo Wall Clocks, James, and they're pretty cheap. I think they're maybe 30 40 bucks US and they're pretty cheaply made if that makes sense like they're not sturdy so you could just rip out the the smart component to it <laughs> you're you're really selling it here I know I know I, I it's a great product to Amazon <laughs> I actually have an old brass ship's clock that is now on its fourth or fifth pair of guts um because mm-hmm. you know it's a, a, a family hand-me-down sort of heirloom that I I ended up with and I absolutely love it and I would really love if it were a little bit smarter than the three dollar clock movement that I keep buying to replace it. But yeah, you know, I think I, I think the best solution and probably the smartest would be to just go and lobby the government to stop changing the darn clocks because oh. it's absurd. Yeah, rumor is Ontario may do that at some point, and I was like, oh man, I know, I think. In Canada, I think British Columbia did that, or some somebody did that. Saskatchewan did that. Saskatchewan. I don't know, Saskatchewan did that. Yeah, and it's like yeah, uh, I'm, I'm every year, twice a year, I rage against the nonsense uh, of it. It's so, it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, maybe I'm in the minority. I, I really like daylight savings time. I like in summer that you get that extra hour of sun. How for for what possible reason? It's not dark but until nine o'clock. If you didn't change the clock, you would still. But you'd still get the same amount of of sunlight in the summer. You just wouldn't have that yeah. that like. It's nice to be outside at like eight thirty and barbecuing. And you, you could do that anyways. 
<laughs> but I still have to finish work at five o'clock, right? Like that's an, an extra hour of sun I get to use in my own time. Just, just leave. <laughs> <laughs> spoken, spoken like someone where the winters mean it doesn't go dark at four yeah. o'clock. Yeah, I think I think that's our that's the gripe of Canadians is it's not about the summertime. Mm. It's it's the depth of despair in in mid February. Yeah, and and I think I don't know. I it's it's I I just hate having to readjust. It's like your body is like. You know, whether it's it's go forward or fall back, there's some level of readjustment your body has to do. And it's like, you know, it's just uh, I, I just hate that part of it. Right. And, and I think and, and again, I don't know how true this is, but it's the original reason for it. We're getting way off topic, by the way. <laughs> the original reason yep. for this was uh, was for farmers or something like that. And and so that uh, but but that's actually cows a, that's still actually milk at the same time and stuff. Sorry, go ahead. From my understanding, it's it's actually a lie that it was for the farmers. Right. And it was it was an effort to conserve energy uh mm. during the first world war. During the war. So my mom told me that too. Made sense. Yeah. But I, I don't think anyone is really conserving energy uh with all of our always on appliances now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's that too. <laughs> it's uh yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm I am very torn. Not not torn. I'm very passionate. I guess is a better word about it. It doesn't help me directly, and this is completely <laughs> selfish. I'm sure there's some people like Phil who I still think is crazy for liking this. Uh, is it, it's just it's I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it escapes it escapes my understanding to to know why yeah. anyone would enjoy it. So, so, sorry, man. I'm not I'm not with you, Phil. <laughs> In the height of summer, what time? And you've and you've gone into your extra hour. What time does it get dark? Let Let's solve this issue right now. Like, what time does it get dark for you? Like after nine nine, nine thirty. Yeah, yeah, nine nine thirty. Yeah, but that's perfect. What do you complain? That's that's what you want. You don't in the height like when you've gone. I have into no your problem with the time, summer. You want it? No problem with the summer. It's it's the spring, the fall, and the winter. Because in the spring and the fall, we have to change, and that's a hassle. And in the winter. It would be nicer if it, if it, you know, I don't mind when it's dark when I wake up, but it annoys me when it's dark when I get out the door in the afternoon. You know, I can't even, I can't even shovel the snow in the daylight. Yeah. So, so, do you pref- so would you prefer it to be like a permanent summertime? I honestly don't care. Just pick one and, and <laughs> <Yeah>. stick with <laughs> it at this point. Yeah. I just don't want to change. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know when we're technically in standard or when we're in technically in daylight time yeah which i should know considering i work with people in different time zones i just don't because <laughs> well you're technically now in daylight time summertime okay yes yes yeah you sound confused you are i guess that makes sense given that there's more daylight <laughs> yeah that's an easy way to remember it yeah i just know spring forward fall back i'm 38 years old and i just figured that out <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's funny all right. Well, I think with that complete tangent, um, <laughs> is there anything else we needed to cover? <laughs> I think that's about it. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't get to solve this issue for you. Yeah. I think you just need to yeah. suck it up and enjoy the changing time I, I, zone. I think, I think you made it worse, Phil. Uh, <laughs> you, you, all you did <laughs> is put salt in the wound. Uh, yep. So... <laughs> James, we're going to leave. So just FYI, so you've got, James, you've got a YouTube channel, you've got GitHub. We're going to leave links to all of that 
um, in our show notes. So if you want to go and check out any of the projects James has done, we will have links in our show notes for you there. And uh, if you have any questions or anything, shoot me a message. I'm not really that active on Discord, but I'm definitely all over the community. So anyone who wants to perfect ask me about why I would do any of the things that I do, you're welcome to. Or argue about daylight savings time. There's there's no <laughs> argument. We're just, we're right, Rohan. No, you're wrong. <laughs> That's funny. You're not coming back on the podcast, James. That's it. Until you... <laughs> Ah, I shot myself in yeah. the foot at the last second. Don't worry, James. You and I can just start our own. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about that. Uh, but anyways, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Have a good one. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.